Listen, I'm going to preach a message to you today that's going to be, it's going to feel somewhat disjointed. It's going to be a little different. At times, it's going to be a little preach. At times, it's going to be a little teach. At times, it's going to be a little seminar, a counseling session. Is that okay? I hope so, because that's all I brought to, to you today. Let me say this. Our conversation today will center around whoever's bringing out my whiteboard, if you would do so. Our conversation is centering around the very topic, the theme of 2018, the mantra for Epicenter Church for this year. In fact, I want you to look at your neighbor and announce to them our theme for 2018. Together we can. Look at another person and say, together we can. You see, there is something that happens when the body of Christ reacts and responds in unity. There is something that happens in the body of Christ when we live not selfishly but selflessly. There is something that happens when we begin to live the mantra, together we can. Together we can. We worship one God, one Savior, one salvation, one, one purpose, one hope, one people, one Bible. We're all together. Somebody ought to give God praise because God has called us to this cohesive movement. I'm excited about preaching this word, and I'm just going to go ahead and just throw this out there. I'm going to be all over the place this morning. But first, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. For you 19 people who are very excited about that, that's great. Acts chapter 2. Pay no attention to the man behind the board. We're not even going to begin there. Actually, I want you to hold your finger there. Just, just go ahead and be seated. Be seated. While you're being seated, somebody say, together we can. I actually want to begin in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. These nine verses that we will look at that will establish the context of our conversation today. But let me just say this, because we're at the beginning of a new year, and in our culture there is this theme this time of the year where we establish resolutions. How many of you in this place, you have a New Year's resolution? Maybe one, two, three, five, ten, you've got a New Year's resolution. If that's you, raise your hand. Let me see. If you're not participating, then don't raise your hand. But for many of us, we have New Year's resolutions. In fact, it's, again, in our culture, it's just the predominant theme right now and our resolutions are based upon reflection and expectation where we reflect upon what was and we have great expectation for what will be but unfortunately in our culture we really never close the loop between reflection and expectation we develop something called resolution and it's right in the middle but yet our resolutions after about the first of march become this distant memory and we wonder why we continue to have the same old, same old in our lives. 
because we didn't close the loop. It, it's, and, and I'm not pushing resolutions. I just need you to hear me for a moment. We, we don't close the loop between reflection upon what was, expectation for what we hope will be. We just never close the loop. And our resolutions are based upon convenience many times. And if the resolution is hard, we move away from it. It seems to be easier to accomplish if it's something very easy. But, but if, if we reflect upon something and the thing that we are now doing to get rid of what we were reflecting upon becomes more difficult than what we were, were reflecting upon, then we move away from that resolution. Let me make that more simple. If you remember in 2017, you had some unhealthy eating habits. So in 2018, you did not want to repeat those things. You had reflection upon what was. You have expectation for what is. But you step on the scale, and it seems like all of your hard work is not paying off. So you move away from that resolution. There's a spiritual principle here. In other words, we're living by what we see rather than the word that has been placed in our hearts that we are supposed to believe. In other words, we don't close the loop. Somebody look at your neighbor and announce to them the subject matter of our conversation. Close the loop. Look at somebody else and say, close the loop. That will make more sense the further we get into this narrative. But we're going to begin in Philippians chapter 1 because Paul writes this, this letter to the church at Philippi. Many theologians call this letter the, the book of joy. What is so amazing about this letter is that Paul is in prison in Rome, writing to the church at Philippi. He's got chains around his feet, but he's, he's reflecting upon what was, but he has great expectation for what will be through the church. It's an incredible moment, if you will, in his ministry where he's reflecting upon what was. He has great expectation for what will be. And if you truly understand the context of why Paul is writing this and you apply this to your life, it will help you close some of the loops in your life. It will help you close the loop. Somebody say close the loop. Let me show you something. Beginning in Philippians chapter 1, verse 3. Here's what Paul writes. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Hold on a second. I thank my God every time I remember you. Here is Paul in chains, but he's so grateful. Again, it's this book of joy. He's so grateful for, for the people that he's thinking about. He's reflecting upon the church at Philippi. Most historians believe that, Richie, that the church at Philippi was the very first church that was planted by Paul. In fact, 11 years before, Paul and Silas were in a prison cell in Philippi, and they began to sing about midnight, the Bible says, songs and praise. And about midnight, the chains fell off of their feet, the doors swung open wide, and the jailer ran in and thought that all of the prisoners had escaped, so he was about to kill himself, and Paul and Silas said, no, 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 we're here. So Paul goes with the guard to the guard's house. He leads the guard and the guard's family to Christ. This family becomes instrumental in the birthplace of the church of Philippi. And through this family, great things begin to happen. The church begins to grow. It begins to flourish. And now, 11 years later, Paul is thanking the Lord for that church. Now, let me show you something in verse 4. It says, in all of my prayers, everybody say prayers. Prayers are what are needed 
for the church to be successful. In all of my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Hmm. But it's something that he says in verse 5 that shows this incredible togetherness, this unity. He says, because of your partnership, everybody say partnership. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. We're going to talk more about that partnership. But what he's talking about is this incredible togetherness. Somebody say, together we can. Watch this. Verses 6 and 7. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, hold on just for a second. This is a verse that is quoted quite often, Donna, in church. That he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. However, when you understand the context in which Paul is writing it under, now you have you have a better understanding of, of what that verse means because Paul is in prison in Rome writing to the church at Philippi and he's got chains around his feet, but yet he's saying he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Hold on a second. But then look what he says in, in verse 7. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Hmm. Hold on a second. When you grab that, and he's, he's saying to the church at Philippi, he's reflecting upon the church at Philippi, but he's also showing great expectation for what is to come through the church at Philippi. But yet the people in Philippi are, 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 are asking the question, how? As they reflect upon all of this that's happening. They're wondering, how are we going to do this? Paul is in prison. He's in chains. How? How are we going to meet the expectations of Paul? How are we going to accomplish the goals that God has given us? How will we accomplish the mission that Paul has laid out for us? How? But Paul is trying to set the record straight. Paul is saying to them, even though I am in chains, I'm using the chains to advance the gospel. Even though I'm in chains, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it through you. Even though I'm in chains, you need to realize that the problem that's in my life only brings about the exposition if you will of who God is and his promise is so much greater than any problem that you may face because he's omnipotent he's omnipresent he will do all that I cannot do somebody ought to help me praise God because he's that good he'll bring you through somebody look at your neighbor and say he'll bring you through so here is Paul so amazing to me. Paul is saying in chains, reflecting upon what was for the last 11 years. Think about this. But having great expectation for what will be. He's saying that the difficulties, the chains of 2017, God will use them to bring about victory in 2018. Can I tell you something? It's the spirit of more. How many of you want the spirit of more to rest upon you in 2018? Can I tell you something? That's what Paul is preaching in, in context. He says, he who began a good work 
in you will be faithful to complete it. He is not complaining about his chains. He is even grateful for his chains. He's, he's reflecting upon the past and is grateful for the past, but he's also grateful for what God is going to do in spite of the chains. What I'm trying to say to you is that some of you are going through difficulty. You've been staying up at night. I don't know who this is for. You've been crying. You feel all alone. You feel dejected, rejected. You feel messed up. You feel busted. But can I tell you something? The same way Paul said it to the church at Philippi, I say it to you today. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He'll take what you were going through in 2017 and use it for what he has for you in 2018. That's why Paul was saying, together we can. Thank you, Jesus. Together we can. That's what he's saying. When the church at Philippi is asking how, he's saying, together we can. When the church at Philippi is saying why, he's saying, together we can. We're so caught up in the how. Years ago, I had a person come up to me and say, the messages that you are preaching, they need to be heard by just more than just, just, just epicenter. They need to be heard by others in the city, others in the county, others in the state, others around the world. And I got wrapped up in the how. How? And, and, and so I thought, okay, well, that just means I need to preach in other places. And, and, and I've done that, and I thought, well, that's really still limited. How? I'm wrapped up in the how. And then one day we had this meeting, and I don't fully understand the laws of the World Wide Web, the Internet. I don't understand how it all works. But what I do know is that we have a camera operator or several camera operators who understand the purpose and the process of a camera. We have a production team who understands the laws of live streaming. And last year, over 55 countries and countless people were impacted by the message that was preached from this stage. You see, together we can. Last month, we did an offering called The Give, and we raised over $30,000 to help people who were in need at Christmas. Together we can. This morning at 6.30, people started to show up to prepare you for this service. People down the hall working with e-kids, people on the worship team, so that you could have what God has for you today. Together we can. We're going to open up multiple campuses in the near future in our county. How? I don't know, but together we can. We're going to move into a bigger and better location. How? I don't know, but together we can because God wants us to see more people saved, more people healed, more people experience breakthrough relational difficulties gone. Why? Because more together we can. You see, the spirit of more can only be accomplished in togetherness. That's what Paul was telling the people at the church at Philippi. It can only be accomplished in togetherness. If I don't stop preaching, we won't get through this passage. Let me read for you verses 8 and following. God can testify how long how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Huh. Let me pause right there for a minute. He says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And then he says, and this is my prayer. No, 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 hold on a second, because something's happening here. And this is my prayer, that my chains will be gone so that I can continue the work. It doesn't say that. 
he is not praying away his chains. Instead, he's praying for the togetherness of the church. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Again, I don't know who this is for, but what you're going through in 2017 that has made its way into 2018, I'm not trying to minimize your pain, but God will not allow your pain to be in vain, but rather he's going to use it for his purpose. He's going to use it to bring glory in 2018. You see, sometimes we walk from one calendar year into the next, and it's like, oh yeah, I have arrived. Dun, 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 dun. But sometimes, Talia, we're just barely making it through. Sometimes we're just, just, we're crawling. We're just trying to get across the threshold from 17 to 18. But what, again, I need you to hear, somebody needs to hear this in this place, is that even if you have the chains, even if you have the difficulties, you are bigger. God has a purpose for what you are going through. And even though you've lost tears and you've lost sleep, God is going to do something in you, through you, and for you because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Let me pause here for a minute and talk about resolutions again. Because, again, it's the predominant theme in our culture. Resolutions we establish really based upon two questions. Question number one in a paraphrased version would be, are you satisfied with where you are? My, my notes more specifically say this, are you where you want to be? That's question number one when it comes to resolutions. Question number two would be, what are your expectations of what's next? Are you where you want to be? What are your expectations of what's next? So we develop resolutions. If we want to be more resolute in our finances, we want to be financially stable in 2018. If we develop resolutions in our relationships. We want to be more relationally present. We develop resolutions with our physical health. We, we want to eat more healthy, exercise more. All of these resolutions. In fact, this week I Googled, everybody who's thankful for Google, say amen. Sometimes can be God's gift. But you have to be careful what you put in that Google bar. But I Googled resolutions. And man, we've got some crazy resolutions in our culture. Just some crazy stuff. But while I was Googling resolutions, I ran across this Google life coach or this career coach who, who had this video as to how she determines her resolutions. And she drew this, this cloud, if you will. And the cloud really represented life. And off of her life, she had several different spokes. And each spoke represented some element, some part of her life. And on each one of these spokes, she wrote all of these different things that were important to her in each one of those areas. And then off of that area, she would write resolutions based upon what she wrote there. Very complex. Just way too much stimuli for me. Then the further that I began to investigate resolutions, I found that, that there were apps that you can purchase. There are apps that you can purchase that will help you 
with your resolution, especially if you have the right phone, the God phone. The lesser phones, I'm not sure they even have apps yet. If you've got a flip phone, don't even think about it. Anyway, there are these apps that can be purchased. Like if you want to develop an attitude of gratefulness in 2018, you can actually buy this app. And two times a day, it will send you this prompt to fill in the blank for what you're grateful for at that moment. Pretty ingenious. And then there's this app that if you want to journal more in 2018, because that's the craze now, journaling. If you want to journal more, you can purchase this one app and you actually journal through this app. But you deposit money into this app. And if you miss a day journaling, they take money out of that bank account every time you miss a day journaling. I wish the church could develop an app like that. You miss church, you lose a little money. You don't serve, you lose a little money. You don't invite somebody to church, and you lose a little money. But really, if you think about resolutions, their ability to be productive in your life is totally based upon your appetite for success. But sometimes your success or your appetite for success is diminished by what you see. There's a spiritual principle here. Paul is showing us that he's in chains, but he's not lost his appetite for the success of the word of God. He says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. What Paul is saying is you guys may be asking how, but you need to understand that the enemy thinks he has stopped me because of these chains, but I have a willingness to praise him in spite of these chains. I have a willingness to be grateful even though I cannot see the victory, yet I know that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. You see, it's one thing to praise God when you're on top of the mountain, but can you be grateful and praise God even when you cannot see the victory, when no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know, but God's got something in store for you. Can somebody break out and praise God? Because together we can. So here's Paul essentially shifting gears in his ministry from one year to the next. Really, he gives us some information some infrastructure to resolutions. In a spiritual sense, resolutions are not just a decision that has great intentions, but rather it's a commitment that leads to revelation. Did you grab that? You ought to be taking notes today. Note takers are going to heaven. You got a real special place in heaven. Big palace. See, resolutions are not decisions with great intentions, but it's a commitment that leads to revelation. Because great intentions do not determine direction. You see, you can make decisions and have great intentions, but the moment that that Twinkie becomes more important to you than that scale, you're going to move away from it. The moment that you want to go shopping at the mall it's going to, it can outweigh your desire to be financially stable for the year. So 
you've got to have more than just great intentions. Let me show you what I mean by that. Let me take you to Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. That was just my introduction, so hang loose with me, okay? Lighten up. I'm just kidding. That's not just my introduction. But hey, when, when Acts chapter 2, verse 42, I'm going to need some help with this. When Acts chapter 2, verse 42 opens up, it's the birthplace of the church. In fact, these few verses, these, I don't know, five or six verses or so, establish the growth of the early church. This is the way the church is supposed to function. Years later, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, basically, essentially giving us the same process, if you will. In fact, there would be no church at Philippi if it were not for Acts chapter 2, verses 42 and following. There would be no Paul if it were not for how the church was functioning in these verses. You see, when these verses open up, the church has just been birthed. Peter has just preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were saved. There was this ideological shift that day where they're moving from what was to what will be, where they're moving from 2017 to 2018. You see, up until that moment, they've been living according to the law, 613 pharisaical laws that they had to live by every single day in hopes that they would make it into heaven. But now Christ has come to break the back of the law, to set us free through the work of the cross. So now there is this movement of people, this movement of people with a common goal. It's called the church. You see, if you're not moving then you have to question your faith because your faith should be a part of a movement. It's called ecclesia in the Greek. You see, there are two words that can be used to describe church. There's the German word, kirche, which I probably did not pronounce that correctly, but it's okay. That word makes reference to the actual brick-and-mortar building. That is the word that we tend to use in the English language. To describe church. But in the New Testament, in this passage of Scripture, the word that is being used is the Greek term ecclesia. It is a gathering of people around a common goal. That's what it means. A gathering of people around a common goal. It's a mission that everyone has together. You see, I heard one theologian say that God did not give church or he did not give a mission for the church but rather he created the church for his mission we have a mission everybody say together we can and if you were to study if you will the very first couple of chapters of of the book of acts you will see something you will see the really the the, the growth formula but more specifically, you will see the purpose of the church. If you were to go home today and just study the first two chapters, you will see the purpose of the church. Everybody say purpose. Somebody say close the loop. So you'll see the purpose of the church. In fact, let me, let me read to you something beginning in verse 42. Verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Hold on a second. They devoted themselves. Everybody say devoted. They. Everybody say they. There's this incredible sense of togetherness. They. They. They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. Hold on a second. If you think about this with me for a moment, 
God is giving us in the first couple of chapters, even in these few verses, the purpose of the church. God accomplishes his purpose through man. In fact, in this particular verse, you see that it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. The word fellowship there is the Greek word koinonia. Koinonia means togetherness. You see, he's talking about, when Luke writes this, he's talking about the togetherness of the church, the koinonia of the church that we share. We share the same Christ. We share the same love for Christ. We share the same worship desire for Christ. We share in one another's responsibilities in our faith. We share in one another's struggles in our faith. We share when it comes to giving to those who are in need. We share when it comes to serving those who are in need. We share when it comes to running to the need and feeling it, see the need and healing it. We share in those things. Somebody say, together we can so where's the hang up let me show you something verse 43 it says everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles you see this is where we all want to hang out we all want to hang out in verse 43 we all want to hang out right here. Why? Because this is where it's like the spirit of more. This is like God manifesting himself in our lives and doing things that are so incredible. It's the signs and wonders of God. We all want verse 43. The problem is you cannot experience verse 43 if you're not willing to live verse 42. Did you see those verses are not inverted? You cannot experience, if you will, the manifestations of God that he has to offer you in verse 43 if you're not going to live the devotion that is present in verse 42. Paul is telling us that we've got to experience what God has for us, but first we've got to long for his presence. You see, I don't know if there's anyone else in here who believes like I do, but I believe the word of God this year in 2018 is going to be so prevalent in our lives. I believe that he's going to heal those who are sick. I believe blind eyes are going to be open. I believe deaf ears are going to be open. I believe relationships are going to be restored. I believe more people are going to be fed. I believe more people are going to be saved. I believe more people are going to experience breakthrough. That's what I believe. But notice something about verse 42. Look at it again. Verse 42 says, and they occasionally gave themselves to the apostles' teaching the breaking of bread occasionally occasionally to fellowship and occasionally to prayer no it doesn't say that there is this devotion that is present that brought about the incredible power of God now now understand this with me for a moment the power of God is evident in your life when you have a pursuit of his presence. Write that down. Let me help you close the, the loop. When you have a pursuit of his presence, somebody say close the loop. Close the loop. Close the loop. Hold on a second. You can't, 
You cannot experience the power of God without being in the presence of God. Think back to our worship this morning. When, when Moses, he'd go to the tabernacle and, and God would show up in the cloud. It was the power of God. It was the power of God that, that showed him what to do. It was the power of God that said, strike the rock and you'll find water. It was the power of God that showed up in the form of, of manna and quail. It was the power of God. But you have to understand that they sought out the presence of God more than they ever sought out the power of God. You cannot have one without the other. Didn't David write the one thing that I ask, and this is all that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever? Wasn't there another psalmist who wrote that even though the earth gives way, I will not fear, for God is with me? Didn't Peter and John in the very next chapter, in Acts chapter 3, did they not walk to the tabernacle? And according to custom, when you were going to the temple at the time of prayer, you would go singing songs of praise and hymns. And as they're walking and praising God, they see this guy who's a lame guy who's been lame since birth birth and the lame guy says can you give alms to the poor and Peter says no we can't give you any silver and gold because we do not have any but what we do have is, is, is healing in the name of Jesus get up and walk you see the early church had an expectation of the presence of God every time they longed for him what do you expect when you come to church hello hello can I get an amen can I get an oh me See, here, the book of Acts, Paul, years later, is writing about this, this, this fellowship, this prayer. See, I don't know who this is for, but th there are things in your life that you need a breakthrough in, in 2018. And your ability to break through those things is going to have everything to do with your desire to be in his presence. Let me go one step further. You see, sometimes the enemy wants to use the chains in your life to remind you of your mortality. But God wants you to rely upon the word that's inside of you so that you remember his deity. That's going to resonate with someone later on, I promise, on the way home. Again, I don't know who this is for because I think there's so many messages mixed into this message. But, but, but you cannot allow the problems in your life to keep you out of his presence. Because if you're not in his presence, you'll never experience his purpose for your life. And there are things that the enemy is trying to do to keep you out of his presence so that you'll never discover your purpose. But you have to understand, according to the book of Acts, they had problems. According to Paul, he's in prison. But he would not, nor would the church at Philippi, nor the early church, would they ever allow the problems to take precedence over the presence of God. Let me show you what's next. Look at verse 44. It says, all of the believers were together. Everybody say together. And had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. We're not asking you to do that. But you can see this generous nature that they had. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together and with glad and sincere hearts. Later in this series, we're going to talk about glad and sincere hearts because it amazes me that like Paul and Silas could be in prison. Paul could be in prison with Silas early on and they could be singing praises to God. Paul can write to the church at Philippi and write the book called Joy. 
Why? Because he has a glad and sincere heart because he's found out that the greatest thing in life is not anything that you own, but it's who has you. It's not anything that has you. It's not any possession that you may have, but it's who's holding you in the palm of your hand. That's the most important thing in life. It's God. It's the King of Kings. It's the Lord of Lords. It's the God who created you, who breathed life into you, who set the stars in place. Paul understands he has a glad and sincere heart. How can he praise God with a grateful heart in prison? Because he knows who his God is and he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. But there's something that happens in verse 47. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Everybody say people. Purpose, presence. People. got to close the loop. We've got to close the loop. Hold on a second. We've got to close the loop. <laughs> Paul is in a prison cell in Rome writing to the church at Philippi about the people. He says, listen, I know you guys are asking how. I know you're worried. But listen, he who began a good work in you, he's not just talking about himself. But he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Now we see in the book of Acts, the early church, they're, they're concerned about the people. And, and the Bible says that they added... God added to their numbers daily. 3,000 people gave their hearts to Christ, but every day new people were being added. Why? Because the kingdom of God is all about people. But can I tell you something? So often we get wrapped up right here in between purpose and presence. We want the presence of God in our lives because we want to know what God's purpose is for our lives. But we never close the loop. It never makes it to people. And so our faith becomes about us. And can I tell you something? If your faith is about you, that means that you have experienced something and you've never closed the loop. So there are people who are coming behind you who will never experience what you have experienced. So they'll never find out who God is. You see, there are people who God has placed in your path for you to close the loop. You see, your faith has to be more than your grandma's faith. Your faith has to be more than your grandpa's faith. Your faith has to be more than your mama's faith, your daddy's faith. Your faith has to be your faith. You see, they sacrificed so that you would have faith. But some of you are not sacrificing so that other people can find Jesus Christ. Good God Almighty. See, it's about closing the loop. Purpose, presence, people. Purpose, presence, people. Purpose, presence, people. See, that's why Paul could write to the church at Philippi that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it because God uses people to complete his purpose. That's why you see what you see in the book of, of, of Acts. You see, together we can. 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 Is somebody going to help me? Together we can. You see, whatever you went through in 2017, God's going to enable you to walk into 2018 and hold your head high because together we can. Why? Because God is faithful. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And God's going to use you to bring about that completion. So why don't you become devoted to God? Because his faithfulness will prove true in your life. Is somebody going to get up on your feet and help me because together we can. I said together we can. Look at your neighbor and say together we can. 
Everybody standing up in the place. Look at your neighbor. Look to the left. Look to the right. Look to the left and to the right real fast. That person to your left, that person to your right. Together we can. You may not know how. Paul didn't know how. But Paul knew who? Together we can. Together we can. Koinonia. Together we share. Together we love. Together we hope. Together we serve. Together we give. Together we live. Together we worship the same God. Together we share in one another's responsibilities in our faith. Together we share in one another's struggles. Together we can. Lord help.